You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Election College, Episode 106, The Life of George Washington, Part 1. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for Election College, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Ben, did you know that George Washington was actually born before he became president? <laughs> That's usually how things have to work. You have to be alive before you can do things that living people do. Ah. Well, <laughs> he actually had quite a life before he entered the national political scene. If Would you consider a national political scene if the nation didn't exist at that point? I think... Uh, there was a nation. It just wasn't our nation. So, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, let's get into it. So, George Washington, he was the oldest child of Augustine Washington and Mary Ball Washington. And he was born near Pope's Creek, which is near present-day Colonial Beach in Westmoreland County, Virginia. It's like they named it Colonial Beach, knowing that there would be colonial times. They're so intelligent back then. That's awesome. I know. Well, that's people are going to hate us for that, but that's okay. Uh, Washington was basically of English descent, and uh, his great-grandfather, John Washington, had actually emigrated over to Virginia in 1656. You know, he starts gathering up land and slaves, and then his son Lawrence did, and then his grandson, who is, by the way, George's father. You know, they all start doing what you do in America. You you get tobacco and get slaves. That's what you do in the 1650s. Yeah, and it's kind of contested a little bit because depending on if you're a Julian calendar fan or a Gregorian calendar fan, because Washington was either born on February the 11th or February the 22nd, and we will let people duke that out. Yeah, that's whatever. He was important either way. Yeah, so back to his fam. Okay, yeah. Uh, So, basically, George had six siblings that actually reached maturity. Uh, You know, he had a lot of brothers and sisters, but not all of them were able to to get to a point where they were considered adults. And um, George's father had actually had some individuals from his first marriage to Jane Butler, and then he had other siblings to another woman. Yeah, it's kind of crazy because we do take so much for granted now about low infant mortality rates and so on. I just can't imagine living during that era. Yeah. Hey, his dad, uh, good old daddy Washington, was the justice of the Westmoreland County Court. And basically, if you're the justice of the county court, you are the top dog in the land. So it's no wonder that George Washington got off to such a great start from, from the youngest of days. Yeah, so Lawrence Washington inherited yet another family property from his dad, 
and it was a plantation on the Potomac River, and they called it Mount Vernon in honor of his commanding officer, who was Admiral Edwin Vernon. So George inherited this property when his father dies and acquires Mount Vernon after Lawrence's death. Yeah, and we talked about this long, 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 long time ago, but basically George Washington wanted to go to England for schooling. He wanted to go to the Appleby School, and uh, his older brothers had gone there, and everything was you know, set, up for, set on track to go there. But then his dad dies, and he essentially just gets an elementary school education and then uh, got a little bit of tutoring from an Anglican clergyman, etc. And he wanted to go to the Royal Navy, but his mom's like, nah, George, I need you here. Yeah. So in 1751, Washington is like, hey, Lawrence, you want to go to Barbados? But it wasn't really a pleasure trip. When I think of going to Barbados, I'm thinking, hey, yeah, that sounds fun. Yeah, why not? But it was actually... stuff. <laughs> yeah, right. So it was actually because Lawrence was suffering from tuberculosis, and they were hoping that the climate would be beneficial to his health. And, well, that didn't necessarily work out for Lawrence. And Washington contracts smallpox during the trip. Yeah. So, yeah, pretty bad. That's... I mean, Barbados is not all it's cracked up to be, I suppose. Not at that time. So after Lawrence dies, Virginia is divided into four districts. And Washington, George Washington, that is, was appointed by the governor as one of the district heads. So in 1753, Washington has the rank of a major in the Virginia militia, and he becomes a Freemason and... He doesn't really do a whole lot as a Freemason, but there is something to that eye on top of the pyramid on the back of the dollar bill. I know. Like all the presidents have been Masons. Crazy. We should do a episode on conspiracy theories about presidents. We should. That's it, like the only one I know, but I'm sure there's more. Yeah. We could hire Nicolas Cage or somebody mm-hmm. to Definitely. Do yep. Back of the Constitution and stuff like that. Okay, so Washington actually became a surveyor, or at least he wanted to become a surveyor. And, you know, he got some schooling that taught him kind of the basics of everything. And he really got some good practical experience as well. And he actually surveyed Mount Vernon, which was an excellent opportunity for him. It's his own property. It's his own desired profession. And he goes ahead and (laughs) surveys his own property. So he goes out with this guy named George Fairfax, who's a friend of his. And they actually got a surveying party all together and... Well, they just kind of went out and surveyed Virginia in general. Yeah, and during this time, Washington is acquiring all kinds of land. He's getting plenty of land out west in the Shenandoah Valley of Virginia, and he's just going really crazy with it. It, Later in life, and this is skipping just a little bit ahead, it causes him to be quite wealthy. Right, and I mean, his wealth kind of started here. I mean, not as big wealth, but this is his first paying job, or at least his first well-paid official position, and he hadn't really had any other official jobs before that. But in uh, less than two days, he completes his first survey, which back in the day was quite the feat, and he actually gets a 400-acre parcel of land plotted and 
hey, he's got a promising career as a surveyor. No one's going to ever think he's going to ever be anything else until the next year. <laughs> <laughs> right. So Washington begins his military service in the French and Indian War. And he's a major in the militia of the British province of Virginia. So in 1753, he was sent as an ambassador from the British crown over to the French officials and the Indians as far as present-day Erie, Pennsylvania. can imagine how far that would have been back yeah. in that time. Especially when you have to walk the whole way. Oh. They didn't even have horses back then. Yeah. I know. Uh, so the Ohio Company was... <laughs> Um, you know, they were, they were the ones expanding the Ohio Valley and opening new settlements and getting things ready for the Indian trade, which, you know, back in the day was a quite important thing. They would take things from the Indians and, uh, or give things to the Indians in exchange for land. And of course the Indians had no idea what land was, but you know, anyway, that's a different subject. And in 1753, the French are like, Hey, we want to get over here into the Ohio country. And the problem with that was the British colonies had uh, already claimed them. So there's a bunch of wars going on, and you know it's the French and Indian War. There's the Seven Years' War, and Washington's like, how am I in the middle of all this? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of crazy because a lot of times we do think of just the French and Indian War, but this was really, this is all symptomatic of a larger battle between the French and the English all over the place. But back to the colonies. Um, Robert Dinwiddie, he's the lieutenant governor of Colonial Virginia. He was ordered by the government, the British government, that is, to guard the British territorial claims. And that includes the Ohio River Basin. And in 1753, towards the end of the year, Dinwiddie orders Washington to deliver a letter asking the French to vacate the Ohio Valley. Get the heck out. <laughs> so it sounds so proper. But yeah. so Washington takes his trip out to the Ohio Valley and he wants to deliver the message of, hey, kindly get out. And the French commander, uh, St. Pierre, says, no, thank you. <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to leave. And all during this time, Washington is keeping a diary. And it was printed by William Hunter, and this makes Washington's name famous in Virginia. Yeah, and basically because of this, he gets a commission to raise a company up of 100 men, and thus starts his military career as we know it. Well, at least hopefully you know that he was a military man before he was the president. But anyway, basically Dinwiddie sends Washington back to the Ohio country to... Um, keep an eye on the construction of a fort that's happening in present-day Pittsburgh. And before he gets there, there's all these French guys going around. And they're there driving out different traders and colonists and stuff like that. And they're going to start constructing Fort Duquesne. And this isn't good. This is what you don't want. So Washington and some of his militia, uh, they basically ambush the French and they get rid of them. What happened like later... And during the battle is kind of debated between different people. But people basically say the battle lasted about 15 minutes. The head guy in the French side was killed. And most of his side was killed too. So there you have it. Washington leads his first um, first attack and captures a fort or a, a fort construction, I guess you could say, <laughs> uh, for the English. 
Yeah, it's pretty crazy, Ben. I mean, you live in the Pittsburgh area, and mm -hmm. I come visit you quite often. Sure. And just to see where Fort Duquesne is mm -hmm. and where the confluence of the um, Monongahela and the Allegheny River, where they meet to the form the Ohio River, how close that is yeah. in proximity. And just to think that, wow, just a couple hundred years ago, there was some fierce fighting. Definitely. So, you want to talk about the Braddock disaster? Well, I think that would probably be appropriate. Okay. So, in 1755, Washington becomes the senior American aide to the British general, Edward Braddock. And this was an ill-fated expedition. <laughs> so, this was the largest British expedition to the colonies and really was intended to get the French out from the Ohio country. And they wanted to capture Fort Duquesne. Yeah, Washington initially wants to be a major, and he's asking Braddock, please make me a major. And Braddock's like, no. And he's like, but please? And Braddock's like, no. And basically, they he gets some advice that says, listen, um, if you want to be above a captain, nobody else can give you that. Sorry, he like Braddock isn't in charge of that kind of thing. So he's like, okay, fine, I'll be a staff volunteer. And Washington gets sick and has a bunch of headaches and fever, and his troops start to slow down, and that's not a good thing if you are in the military. <laughs> so Washington actually recommends to Braddock that the army gets split up into two different parts, and he thinks basically one should be more heavily influential in everything, and the other should be less influential in everything. And there should be um, a bunch of different kinds of maneuvers, etc. And Braddock's like, okay. That's fine. Uh, let's do that. Let's accept the recommendation. We'll add you to the Council of War. Uh, we'll bring in the Council of War, etc. Council of War sounds at once intimidating and incredibly exciting. Yeah, <laughs> like terif does. terrifying and exciting. Yeah, you know something's going to happen. Mm -hmm. So in the Battle of the Monongahela, whew, how do you say that? Monongahela. Yeah. Uh, the French and their Indian allies, they ambush Braddock's reduced forces and the general was mortally wounded and so there's just devastating casualties and the british panic and they retreat but washington he's riding back and forth across the battlefield and he's rallying the remnants of the british and virginian forces and he's got his headache he's not feeling too well but he's showing that he's brave and he is He's the man. He can lead the charge. And he actually has two horses that are shot from underneath of him. And his coat was pierced with four bullets. So Washington is like, you know what? This disaster, it is because of the Redcoats. And um, you know what? The Virginia guys, they rock. And uh, Washington, he's seen as some as a weasel and others as <laughs> a pretty cool dude yeah absolutely later he becomes the colonel of the virginia regiment and commander-in-chief of all forces now raised in the defense of his majesty's colony so that's a little bit of a title if you think you ever yeah. if you think your vp has a, an extensive title uh, just remember that one. Uh, <laughs> so basically, Washington has the task of defending anything around Virginia that's considered the frontier. And I mean, the, the regiment that Washington gets at the time is actually the first full-time American military unit. 
and you know before that we'd had militias and there were regular units from the british etc and this is the first like real deal that's gonna go forward and washington's in charge of it so he's you know basically just hey we're gonna delegate this completely to you we're not gonna micromanage you do what you will yeah and i mean it's just crazy what washington ends up doing he's in command of a thousand soldiers and he becomes known as a disciplinarian and he's really big into training you know he was subscribing to all of those online courses <laughs> he downloaded the ebook that's right <laughs> he got in somebody's sales funnel <laughs> and he learned a few things no but uh in 10 months his regiment fought 20 battles and lost a third of his men um but he just kept on going and he had some successes but he became mainly his main success was that he was a bona fide leader. Yeah, absolutely. So Washington, we talked a little bit about how he wanted to get into the British Army early on, and even later on, he wanted to get into the British Army. That you know that red coat really had a lot of allure for him. But he gets a lot of valuable military experience, and he's able to study underneath some of the top British soldiers. He's able to find out how their minds work, how things go for them, find out their strengths and weaknesses. And all of this is going to come back in case you were wondering to help him out a lot in the future. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, he gets this great understanding of strategy and, and he's a surveyor too. So you have to imagine that the surveying experience along with the uh, experience of actual battle is going to help him a ton. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because during this era of his life, you know, he he's kind of young and he's scrappy and he is brave. And whether you think that he is awesome or that he's just a, a goofy guy who <laughs> who doesn't know a whole lot about how to lead an expedition or how to lead men... Um, well, I take that back, how to lead men. That's what there is agreement on. Right. He knew how to be a leader. Right. Okay, so the war's over. We're kind of in the middle of things. Things aren't really kicked up. Let's go back to Mount Vernon for a minute, Jason, or, or at least back to Washington's personal life. In 1759, Jason, Washington marries Martha Custis, who is a widow, and she's 28 years old. And I think that's about how old George Washington at the time mm -hmm. she might have even been a little bit older than him if i recall uh but anyway she um she and he get married and there's some rumors that george may have been in love with somebody else at the time but that's all neither here nor there yeah. george and martha get together and they're happy and martha is a big help to him yeah so she brings two children uh, from her previous marriage into the house but uh marrying martha was quite the smart decision as far as being wealthy because <laughs> uh, the marriage actually increases Washington's property holdings as well as his social standing and makes him one of Virginia's wealthiest men. He acquires one third of the Custis estate upon his marriage, which was worth approximately $100,000. And he managed the remainder of the estate for Martha's children. And he really did care for her kids 
as his own. And later on, we'll see in his later life that the Washingtons actually cared for uh, a couple of Mrs. Washington's grandchildren. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you said about it making him more and more wealthy, and it certainly did. He definitely would not have been as wealthy without Martha Washington, or Martha Custis, as the case may have been. But he was wealthy beforehand, too. So the fact that he was wealthy, and then he marries a wealthy woman, like elevates him incredibly high. Anyway, uh, 1754, Dinwiddie had promised uh, bounties of land to the different officers that had volunteered to serve during the French and Indian War. Well, it's a few years later. It's uh, you know 1769, and uh, they finally come good on that promise, <laughs> and Washington gets a bunch of land uh, near the Kanawha River and where it goes into the Ohio River. And this is basically what what is now West Virginia. So, you know, he gets land. He continues to buy land. By 1775, he doubles the size of Mount Vernon to 6,500 acres. He gets the slave population up over 100. And he actually gets elected to local office. Yeah. And the military guy who was going out on these expeditions and living with a bunch of guys yeah. and shooting people and, and so on. <laughs> he's he's now living as an aristocrat. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's going to all the fancy stuff. He's hunting foxes and uh, doing the dances and the parties and the theaters um, shows and all that kind of stuff. He's he's playing backgammon and billiards. Yeah. Um, so he's a, he's a very wealthy guy who's living the life as you would think a wealthy guy would yeah and in 1766 he decides that hmm maybe the cash crop here is not tobacco but instead wheat and you know he figures that it can be processed in multiple forms it can be sold in various forms you can diversify it further for flour milling or horse breeding or weaving and um you know you could even hey why don't we uh, set up a distillery for production and uh, that's what they did the you know one of the distilleries he had was actually on Mount Vernon. So I wonder how they felt about that during the Whiskey Rebellion. Yeah. I know. Maybe he paid the taxes, I guess. He probably did. He probably did. I mean, he's George Washington. Or he exempted himself. No, he's George <laughs> Washington. Anyway, uh, so, you know, you go away from tobacco, which is primarily to smoke, to wheat, which is like anything you can do with it. Of course, there's other things you can do with tobacco. I'm, you know, just getting to the point. Yeah. When he's not drinking uh-huh. <laughs> and when he's not producing beverages, <laughs> when he's not producing tobacco and wheat and all that kind of stuff, uh, the Washingtons lived a, a fairly um, decent life. Now, tragedy did strike the Washington home in 1773 when Patsy Custis, um, she suffered um, some epileptic attacks and she dies in Washington's arms. And her early and unexpected death was one of the saddest moments, as you might imagine, in his life. And so he tries to encourage Martha that, you know, she's in heaven now and and so on. But Washington cancels all business activity for three months and does not leave Martha's side. And um, Patsy's death really helped Washington from a financial standpoint because he was able to pay off some of his some of his British creditors. Well, hey, uh Jason, I think 
I think we're about to get into the American Revolution here, so why don't we go ahead and say part two's coming on the next episode, where we'll talk about the American Revolution, Commander-in-Chief, the presidency, etc. And uh, for this episode, we'll call it quits. Yeah, so no cherry trees have been chopped. I know, it's weird. In the recording of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we almost always chop down at least one tree, especially when we're talking about George Washington, so... Not in this case, yeah. but hey, you know what? If you wanted to buy a cherry dresser or another piece of <laughs> cherry furniture, or maybe you want to buy some cherries on Amazon, make sure you go to electioncollege.com slash Amazon and you will be taken to the Amazon site, but that's our affiliate link and that helps us out a lot when you purchase items using the Election College Amazon affiliate link, we get a little cut of that and it helps us support the podcast. That's right. And we love it when you leave us reviews. It makes us feel great inside and outside and left side and right side. It makes us feel good all around. It's like a cherry on top. It's like a cherry on top. Thank you, George Washington. So go ahead and leave us a review over at iTunes. You can go directly there by electioncollege.com slash review. And uh, we would love that. Thanks. Yeah, we love interacting with you on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find us at Election College. 